that's good news today. Go ahead and grab a quick seat. And wherever you walked in here with today, I hope that the truth of that promise encourages you, that God will not fail you and that you can always stand on God's promises. Hey, I'm so glad you're here on our campus. It's great to see so many of you here, um, both services today. I'm glad that a lot of you are joining us online. If we haven't had a chance to meet, uh, my name's Adam, one of the pastors here. So a uh, quick little story. So I was talking to some folks, as I always do, in between services, and uh, someone held up a picture, and it was a screenshot of our worship service from last week. And, and it was on a TV, so it was in somebody's living room. And I, I kind of looked at him like with a puzzled look, like, oh, yeah, that's our service. And he was like, no, you don't understand. Like, this is in a home in a country right now where it's illegal to be a Christian. And, like, they're watching on vonforest.com. Like, we're their worship service for believers, like, all over the world. Like, is that not awesome? Can we cheer about that for a second? So, like, I fired me up. That fired me up. I, I, and I wish I could tell you where it's at, but I can't do that, all right? We got to protect our brothers and sisters. But I got a little fired up about that. I'm not going to lie, okay? So we may be here all day. Get comfortable, all right? There's your warning, okay? Just kidding. We'll be out by two. So I'm glad you're here. And uh, we are in, what is this, week three already? Can't believe that. Ready or not, looking at the life of Joshua. There's some message notes inside your bulletin. Those of you on our campus, grab those. If you're joining us online um, here at VaughnForest.com, you can access the message notes. If you are on Facebook Live or YouTube, if you want to come on over to VaughnForest.com and access the message notes, you can do that. Or you can use the Vaughn Forest Church app, right? So get your message notes ready. We're going to get to those here in just a minute. But before, we just celebrated that because I found out about that in between the services. I thought that was pretty cool. Um, but there's some other things I want us to talk about and celebrate as well um, because there's a lot of fun things happening in the life of our church. So let me give you a name of a ministry that um, some of you may recognize. Maybe for some of you, this might be new. Reality and Truth Ministries located downtown Montgomery. They've been around for for years, and they feed the homeless population here in Montgomery. And so they approached us a couple months ago and said, hey, one of our churches that was in the rotation, they kind of dropped out of the rotation. Would you guys uh, consider doing that? So we prayed about it, talked to some leaders in our church. So we're going to give this a shot. So let me tell you how this works. Um, We have committed to once a week uh, providing the meals and then serving the meals uh, with this ministry in downtown Montgomery. So on Monday nights, we're going to have a group of people that come up here and cook food. And if you're new to Vaughn Forest, we got a big kitchen. You can cook a lot of food in it. So we got that covered. And then we're going to have a group of people on Tuesday nights that take the meals downtown. And, and they've got a facility and all the things and actually serve the meals. And so if that sounds like something that you're like, man, I'd love to help out with that, either cooking the meals or serving the meals, just write reality and truth on the prayer request line on your connection card, and uh, we'll follow up with you. I um, would encourage you, if you've got kids or teenagers, to at least once during this fall semester, take a Tuesday night and do that. Um, I think it'd be good to get out of your bubble a little bit, if I can just challenge you as your pastor, and help your kids see how we can be the hands and the feet of Jesus. So I think it's a great opportunity for families to serve together as well. So again, um, kind of a new thing, and we're going to give it a shot. We're going to see how it goes. And if that sounds like you're interested in it, uh, please write that on the connection card. We're going to get a little email list together, make sure we can communicate with that. I also want to take a minute just to celebrate. A lot of good things have been happening in the month of August. Can y'all believe this is the last Sunday in August? Like, I don't know what happened. It's like we blinked and August went by. But um, y'all know what that means. Next weekend, college football season starts. And all of God's people said, amen, right? Now, I know they played some games yesterday. Those games don't count. Now, if your team played yesterday... God bless your team. But um, the real team's playing next weekend, so we're excited about that. And uh, it's just a fun time of the year. But August is always over, right? It's over. Last Sunday in August, lots of great things happening. One of the things I'm trying to be better at, church, help me, pray for me, okay? I got to get better as your pastor. I'm trying to do a better job of celebrating, okay? Because I just like to, you know, move on to the next thing, you know, tackle the next challenge, all the things. But we got to stop every now and then and acknowledge, hey, look what God's doing. Look what God is up to. Let's, let's celebrate that. So lots of fun things are happening that we're going to celebrate, okay? 
First of all, our elementary uh, children's ministry has outgrown their space. I think that's fantastic. The volunteers who serve those kids may not think that's so fantastic, right? But like they're everywhere. So if you're not familiar with the layout of our facility, you know, back over there, we've got a first floor preschool nursery, second floor elementary, third floor middle school and high school students. Well, the elementary students, they're, they're about, we've about maxed out that second floor, okay? Specifically with the fourth and fifth graders. And here's why. Our fourth and fifth graders keep inviting their unchurched friends to church. Is that not awesome? I love that. They're bringing their unchurched friends. Hey, cheer for that. Come on. That ain't get you fired up. I don't know what will, all right? So they're outgrowing the space and uh, they've kind of put the ball back in our court and said, what are you going to do about this, all right? So we're trying to figure that out. So we got a really big facility here. We're, we're super blessed with that. So we might be having to kind of move some things around here in the, in the coming months or whatever. I'm, I'm not sure. I, I don't I have a solution, okay? I'm just pointing out the problem. And I'm saying we should celebrate about that problem, right? So that's kind of fun. Our student ministry um, is also continuing to grow. Um, they're in the, they had over 80 students up there again uh, today. And so that space, at some point, we're going to have to figure out, like, middle school, high school, are we going to keep them together? Are we going to give them different spaces? Um, so that's awesome. In the midst of a student pastor search. You don't always see that. So to see that level of engagement uh, go up during the season has been fantastic. Chad Boak, our executive pastor of ministries, continues to do a great job leading that. Uh, many of you have stepped up and served. So this is the 11 o'clock service. Um, you serve at 930 with our students, with our kids, and you're making that possible. And then you're coming here and worshiping with your church family 11. So let me just say thank you. You're making a difference. And it's awesome to see what God's doing. Now, if you've got preschoolers, I don't want you to think we're leaving y'all out. If you've got preschoolers, we'll pray for you. That's not the, that's a tough season. All right? I remember that season. That, 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 that was a tough season. Okay. So we got a lot of preschoolers too. They're everywhere. And um, we have a playground. And our playground, it's, it's time to update the playground. So rather than update the playground, we're just going to alt-control-delete that playground and put in a new playground. Now, so I'm fired up about that. So if you've got a little one, then we're going to put in a new playground here. And uh, don't worry, moms, it'll be super safe, I promise, but it'll also be fun. That's a good combination, right? So that'll be a good playground for the preschoolers to enjoy, not just on Sundays. But if you're new to Vaughn Forest, you may not know this, we have a weekday preschool. So we've got preschoolers up here every day of the week. They're so cute going all over the place. And so they'll have a little playground that they can play on uh, during the weekday preschool. So we got a new playground. And you know how everything's kind of backed up right now trying to order stuff. So we're not exactly sure when, it, when we'll have that installed by. But I'm holding out hope that maybe about the first or second week of January, like that will be installed and ready to go for kind of the springtime weather. So you can kind of be on the lookout for that. Just something fun to celebrate. Um, what else we got to celebrate? Oh, October. I know you're like, September's next. I know, but just hang with me. When we get to the month of October, we're going to have some meetings that are going to be happening. We'll let you know about them so you make sure you don't, you know, you can sign up and all that stuff. And they're meetings specifically about some mission trips that we're going to be taking overseas next year. And I'm really fired up about this because we've had a few trips on the calendar over the last couple of years that we've had, for whatever reason, with travel restrictions and other nations, we haven't been able to follow through with them. And we're kind of at a point now where we can really do that. So we've been working really hard, our team, to kind of get those trips planned. And then we're going to have October where there's going to be a lot of meetings about those. So that if you're interested, you can go and then we'll give you the dates. And those are all getting locked down for 2023 so that we can kind of really kick that back into gear. So I'm really excited about that in October. And then we're also going to have a big marriage event in the month of October. We're still 
working out some details. We've got a little time on that. But we've done some things for men, some things for women over the last six, nine months, women's event, men's events. We're going to do an event for married couples together. It's probably going to be on a Friday night here on our campus. I'm excited about that. We'll be giving you more details. And you're going to blink. It's going to be Christmas, all right? So lots of fun things happening this fall. Already talked about life groups. Oh, oh, there's one more thing. One more thing. This, this is the thing I'm, I'm most fired up about these days, okay? So our podcast, um, we had our, our uh, birthday. I guess it's called a birthday. It was our one year. I don't know if it's an anniversary or it's a birthday, but we've been doing this podcast for a year, okay? So a lot of you listen to our podcast, which is great because when we started it, we just thought our three moms would listen to the podcast, okay? So we've got more than three listeners. We're excited about that. If you haven't subscribed to our podcast, it's called The Other Six Podcast. We've done it now every week for a year. The goal is to just give you one more resource to help you grow in your faith the other six days of the week, okay? We think that this is important being in here together, but we also, you know, want to grow beyond just today. So the word, I guess, kind of got out. We've got a little studio here. It's not super fancy, but um, I say that because I don't know how any of it works. I just sit there and talk into a microphone, but all these people know how to make all this stuff work. And so Pike Road uh, High School, our football team, defending state champions, they were looking for somewhere to do a weekly kind of podcast YouTube show with their new, new head football coach. And so they called us like, hey, we heard you guys have a studio. Like, is there any way we could do the, stu- the, the coaches show in your studio? And Chad and Hardy were like, absolutely. And then they were like, you know, we just, we need somebody to host it. Like if we could only find somebody who, know, who talks all the time and loves football. I was like, hey, you know, so I volunteered for that job. So I'm getting to host this weekly coaches show. The head coach is awesome. He loves Jesus. He loves this community. And we get to do this coaches show. We've done two of them now. We're doing it every single week. And guys, can I tell you what's been remarkable? The reach that this is giving our church. Like there's a bunch of people, I don't know if y'all know this, I'm gonna let you in a little secret. There's a bunch of people in Alabama that while God may not be on their radar, football certainly is. I know, crazy, right? And so they're not looking for God, they're not looking for a church home, but this is something they're interested about. And God's giving us a bridge. It's like a bridge that we're getting to build with people, not just in our immediate community, but really all over the state. So that just kind of came out of nowhere. So God's just kind of opening up some opportunities and doing some different things and, and blessing. And like I said, I'm trying to get better at pausing every now and then and just saying, thank you, Lord. Thank you for what you're doing in the life of our church. And a lot of that you are directly contributing to through your time, talent, and treasure. Okay, so none of that stuff's happening without the people who call Vaughn Forest home being the people of God. So thank you. It's exciting, and I'm fired up about it. Now, I'm also fired up about this message, okay? I'm so fired up about this message that my, thir- my soon-to-be 13-year-old son, Sam, this week was like, Dad, I can't wait to hear this message because, like you said, it's one of the most bizarre things that's ever happened in the Bible. So if, if I can get my son fired up about a message because something bizarre happened in the Bible, that gets me fired up, okay? So let me tell you what we're going to talk about today. We're going to talk about something that's pretty unique, the sun actually standing still, okay? And this is true. Like, this happened. This isn't a metaphor. This isn't an allegory. We're going to look at a story today that's never happened before then, and it has never happened since then, where God literally made the sun stand still. So it's a longer passage from Joshua chapter 10. I'm going to read the passage, and then we're going to begin to kind of unpack, like, well, why does this matter? I mean, if God really did this, and if it's so unique, how does that have anything to do with our lives today, all right? So let's talk about the story. Let's see where God did this. And then your message notes, that's where that will come in, and we'll start talking about how this matters to our lives today, all right? So we're in Joshua chapter 10, starting in verse 7. So Joshua marched up from Gilgal with his entire army, including all the best fighting men. The Lord said to Joshua, do not be afraid of them. I have given them into your hand. Not one of them will be able to withstand you. After an all-night march from Gilgal, I think that's important. We're going to come back to that later in our message today, okay? So you got to get the, they're about to fight, 
but they literally had to march all night long to show up for the fight, okay? So these are guys who are, they're a little weary by the time they get to the fight. So after an all-night march from Gilgal, Joshua took them, who's them, the enemy, by surprise. The Lord threw them, the enemy, the Lord threw the enemy into confusion before Israel. So Joshua and the Israelites defeated the enemy completely at Gibeon. Israel pursued them along the road going up to Beit Haran and cut them down all the way to Azekah and Makedah. As they fled before Israel on the road down from Beit Haran to Azekah, the Lord hurled large hailstones down on them. So God joins the fight. He starts throwing hail at the enemies. I think that's awesome. And more of them died from the hail than were killed by the swords of the Israelites. On the day the Lord gave the Amorites over to Israel, Joshua said to the Lord in the presence of Israel. This is the middle of the fight. Sun stands still over Gibeon, and you moon over the valley of Ajalon. So the sun stood still, and the moon stopped till the nation avenged itself on its enemies, as it is written in the book of Jashar. Now that's another ancient book of writing. That's not the Old Testament, and yet this ancient book of writing recorded this event. The sun stopped in the middle of the sky and delayed going down about a full day. There's never been a day like it before or since, a day when the Lord listened to a human being. Surely the Lord was fighting for Israel. Then Joshua returned with all Israel to the camp at Gilgal. So let me give you the ready or not principle from this story today. Joshua's faith was ready to ask God for the impossible. Would you jot that down if you're taking notes today? And if you're just jumping in today for the first time, we've kind of had these ready or not principles each week in this series. So Joshua's faith was ready to ask God for the impossible. So we just read the passage there. Did you kind of see it? They're in the middle of a battle. The battle's going well. They haven't quite finished off the enemy. And the only thing that's going to keep that from happening is the sun going down. So in the middle of this battle, Joshua's kind of putting all this together, and he just realizes, wait a second. If the sun doesn't go down, if we could just get some more daylight, we can finish them off now. And in that moment, he was ready. Like, there was no like, there was no preparation for this. Like, God's never done anything like this before. So, so what's going on there? Well, in, mom, in the moment, in real time, Joshua has a faith to recognize. We just need more daylight. And then a faith to say, God, make the sun stand still. And God did it. God did it. He asked God for the impossible, and God did it. He, he had a faith that was ready for that moment. You know, that's awesome. Like, that, that's fantastic. But the passage you just read said there's never been a day like it before. There's never been a day like that since. So how does something that unique have anything to do with us? Here's why I think this matters. Because for all of us in our lives right now, in a moment of honesty, in a moment of honesty, there's something that we feel like is impossible. Something. There's my question for you today. What do you think is impossible right now? It may be something other people know. It may be something only you know. It might be your marriage. You may think that it's impossible for you to have a good marriage. Like you see other couples, you know they're not perfect, but, but they're in a better place than you are. And, and you've just kind of given up on the thought that you could ever be in a life-giving marriage. It just feels impossible. Maybe it's your health. You've got some health challenges and some health struggles, and you've been there for a while, and it just, it just feels impossible that that's ever going to be different. It could be your career. Maybe you're just in a place in your career 
that it feels like you're kind of stuck and it just seems impossible to see that any other way. See, the truth of the matter is, church, all of us at all times, there's something in our lives it seems insurmountable. There's something in our lives that feels impossible. And here's my challenge today. I want to stretch your faith. I want to stretch your faith. I want to stretch your faith that when you're looking at the impossibilities in your life to counter those with a big faith, a faith that would literally call on God to make the sun stand still. So what I want to do for the rest of our time together today is I want to kind of work our way through some of the principles I think we can see from this story. I put six of them in your notes. And as we put them into practice, okay, it's not like listening to the principles. It's not writing down the principles. It's as we put them into practice. I think your faith can grow, and I think you can begin to stare down the things in your life that previous you thought were impossible and begin to compare them to a God and then have the faith to believe God can actually do something about your situations. Here's the first thing I want you to jot down today. First principle. Opposition can be why we cower in fear or an opportunity to call on God. I love the fact that this story takes place in the midst of opposition, that it's in the middle of a fight, that this happens. So Joshua is in the middle of a fight swinging a sword, okay? I need you to think Braveheart. Don't act like you didn't watch Braveheart. You're in church. Can't lie in church, okay? We've all seen Braveheart, all right? So Braveheart, like they're fighting with swords. This is what's going on. There is a real battle happening. There is a real opponent. There is real opposition. And yet it's in the middle of that opposition. It's in the midst of that opposition that what happens? Amazing opportunity. Church, here's what I'm challenging you to see. See your opposition as opportunities. See, when opposition comes our way, we can cower in fear, we can whine, we can complain, we can pout, we can feel sorry for ourselves, or we can actually see it as an opportunity. Now, here's the truth for us today. We are not probably going to find ourselves out in a battlefield swinging swords at other people. That's probably not going to be the reality of our opposition Thankfully, the New Testament gives us a very clear description of what our opposition is. Let me take you to the book of Ephesians and the New Testament. Ephesians 6, 12. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood. Our struggle is not against other people on a battlefield swinging swords. It's not the exact same situation as it was for Joshua that day. Our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realm. Church, you have a real opponent. You have real opposition in your life. Spiritual warfare is real. The enemy, Satan, has one goal for your life. He wants to destroy your life. The New Testament describes him as a lion who is roaming around seeking whom he may devour. Parents, let me rock your world here for a second. Satan wants to destroy your kids' lives. He wants to destroy your teenagers' lives. He is relentless. He never takes a day off. He is in full pursuit of destroying your life, of destroying everything that you hold dear. That is our opposition. And when you sense that opposition coming against you, church, you've got some choices. You can cower in fear. You can give him more credit than is due. Or you can see this as the opportunity to call on God. 
to say, I serve a God who is bigger. I serve a God who is greater. I serve a God who has defeated the enemy through the cross of Jesus Christ. But church, we are not going to go through this life without facing opposition. The difference is, what are we going to do with that? If we see opposition as an opportunity to call on God, guess what happens? Our faith begins to grow. Our faith begins to grow. Let me give you number two. Second principle I think we see from this story. What we ask of God will be directly related to how big we believe God is. I've been serving in ministry for 22 years as a pastor. Let me tell you the biggest challenge I've seen with Christians in 22 years. Here's the biggest challenge. Too small a view of God. Too small a view of God. God is, he's too little. There's great challenges in life, and we look at great challenges, and we have a small view of God, and there's the challenge. There's the problem. See, here's the truth, guys. God is infinite. God is all-powerful. God is all-knowing. God is all-present. God spoke creation into existence. All of those things are true, okay? But those things being true will not determine what you ask of God. Please don't miss this. What you think to be true about God is what will determine what you ask of him. See, something can be factually true and have zero to do with anything happening in your life. See, what we tend to do is take things that are factually true, give mental assent and go, yeah, I I can kind of roll with that. But then when it comes to how we live our lives, there's nothing about what we do with our lives that reflects that truth. Why is that? Small view of God. We've taken the creator of the universe, the infinite, almighty, powerful God, and reduced him to something that we can manage. And then we wonder why he's not coming through for us, because we don't ask big things of him. We don't express a big faith of God because of a very limited view of God. Look at how Deuteronomy describes God. For the Lord your God is God of gods and Lord of lords, the great God, mighty and awesome. There is none like him. There are none beside him. God is incomparable. Look at what the great theologian and pastor A.W. Tozier said. I love this quote. What comes into our minds when we think about God is the most important thing about us. I believe that. So when I describe God, what comes into your mind? Is it a big, infinite, all, almighty, all-powerful, all-present, all-knowing God? Or is it a manageable God? See, if you have a small view of God, you will never ask big things of God. Whatever you ask of God will be directly related to how big you think God is. I mean, let's just think about this from Joshua's perspective for a minute. It wasn't a problem for Joshua to ask God to make the sun stand still because the way Joshua looked at it, God was the one who created the sun. See, we live in a world where that same God raised his son from the dead. You now live in a world where Jesus walked out of the tomb. You live in a world where Easter, Resurrection Sunday, settled once and for all, that impossibility no longer exists. So if we serve a God who made the sun stand still, if we serve a God who raised his son from the dead, then that is a big God. And church, that should affect the way we approach him, what we should ask of him. It's a big principle from this story. Number three, third thing I want you to jot down. It's difficult to ask big things from God if you don't believe he's for you. If you don't believe he's for you. Okay, If the biggest challenge I've seen in 22 years of being a pastor is that people have too small a view of God, here's the second biggest challenge. People don't really believe God's for them. You may not believe God's for you. But did you know that God is for you? Did you know that God loves you? 
Did you know that God's not out to get you? Did you know God's not disappointed with you, upset with you, frustrated by you? God actually loves you. Not only does he love you, he likes you. And he's actually for you. Do you know what God did to reconcile you back to him? He sacrificed his only son so that you could have a relationship with him. God did that for you. But if you don't believe that God is good, you're not going to ask things from him. And I think for most believers, they really struggle with that. They really struggle with the idea that God is actually for them. And here's what I'm going to tell you today, church. God's for you. God's for you. He's actually for you. So if you believe that God is big and he can do anything, and you actually believe God is for you, let me tell you what begins to happen. Your faith begins to grow. You begin to approach God and ask things of him. Look at what God's word says about the goodness of God. Romans 8, 31. What then shall we say in response to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? Church, if God is for you, no one can be against you. Hey, church, if, if God is for you, then you and God are always in, the, always in the majority. It doesn't matter what level of opposition that you face. God is actually for you. So if God is big and if God is for you, then that begins to affect the way that we approach God. That affects the way we begin to ask things of God. Number four, let me give you the fourth principle in the story. The foundation for asking big things from God is his faithfulness, not ours. So I'm trying to stay one step ahead of you in this message, okay? Because I know how we like to argue with the Bible. I know how we like to say, yeah, but that's not for me. Okay, so see if you're tracking with me so far. I'm telling you right now, you're going to face opposition. You're going to face opposition. And when you do, it can be an opportunity for you to call on God to act on your behalf. And to the degree that you believe God is big enough to handle your situation is to the degree that you will actually begin to call upon him. And for many of us, our view of God is way too small. But see, once you believe that God is actually big, if you don't think that he's good, you won't approach him. And one of the things that Satan wants to convince you of is that the goodness of God is something that you can question. Satan wants you to question the goodness of God. He did it to Adam and Eve in the garden. Question the goodness of God. He'll do it to you in your life. That if God is big enough, but he didn't do that for you, he must not be good. If God could have stopped that from happening and he didn't, he must not be good. And this is where you just have to drive a stake in the ground and go, no, I'm going to stand on the promise of the goodness of God, even if I can't see it, even if I can't understand it. So if you're tracking with me so far, opposition is an opportunity. God is big enough. God is good enough. Here's where a lot of us then depart from this way of thinking. We say, yeah, but you don't understand. I've disqualified myself. If you knew the things I had done in the past, you would know why none of this applies to me. If you knew the things I was wrapped up in right now in the present, you would see how none of this applies to me. What we begin to do is self-eliminate based on our lack of faith. Church, what I want to tell you today is the foundation for asking big things from God has zero to do with your faithfulness. See, God is faithful when you are faithless. God has been faithful to me so many times in my life when I have been faithless to him. The foundation for God acting on our behalf is based on his faithfulness to us, not our faithfulness to him. Look at what God's word says about this. 2 Timothy 2.13. If we are faithless, and we all are, he remains faithful, for he cannot deny 
himself. Let me tell you what happened when you experienced salvation, when you got saved, when you were born again, when you became a Christian. We, we describe this experience a number of different ways. But when you experienced salvation, the great theologian Martin Luther described it this way. There was a great exchange that took place. What was that exchange? You received Jesus's perfection, Jesus's faithfulness in your place because he took your faithlessness. He took your imperfection to the cross and he paid the price once and for all on the cross. So here's now what that means. Jesus was faithful in your place. It's not about your faithfulness. It's about Jesus's faithfulness to go to the cross. So here's what that means. We put our point back up there. It means that the foundation for asking big things from God is his faithfulness, not ours. That Jesus was faithful to the cross. That God was faithful to send Jesus to make way for us to be reconciled back to him. Here's what that means. Church, when God looks at you, he sees you through the perfection of his son, Jesus Christ. That we're all going to be faithless. That we're all going to be disobedient. That God moving on our behalf is not contingent upon our behavior. It's not contingent upon our faith. It's contingent upon his faithfulness towards us. You say, that sounds too good to be true. It's called the goodness of God. It's called God's grace. And if you can see that, and if you can let that be the foundation of approaching God and talking to God and asking big things of God, can I tell you what will happen? You will begin to ask big things of God. But as long as you're wrapped up in how you're doing when it comes to being faithful, you're going to continually be discouraged and not feel like you can ask big things of God. It's so key that we see this. Okay, number five, fifth principle from this, from our story today. Pray prayers based on the promises God has already made. So I haven't talked a lot about prayer, praying or prayer so far in the message. Let's talk about that for a second. I'm of the opinion that when Joshua called out to God on the battlefield that day, God make the sun stand still, that he was praying a prayer. I believe that anytime you talk to God, that is prayer. Now, sometimes we have a way of adding a lot of other things to prayer, okay? So maybe it's hard for us to see a guy swinging a sword in the middle of a battle and calling out to God, that's praying. Like we tend to think, you no, know, praying is when you sit still and you bow your head and you close your eyes and you take off your hat if you're in the South. They don't do that in other parts of the country that, you know, just I don't know if you know that, okay? But like there's all these other little ritualistic things we have to do when we pray. And some of us have a hard time sitting still, Okay? I was that kid in Sunday school. I could not sit still when it was time to pray. Can I be honest with you? I still have a hard time sitting still, okay? Prayer has nothing to do with all of those other things. Prayer is when you talk to God. Prayer is when you talk to God. Does that mean you can sit still and talk to God? Of course it means you can sit still and talk to God. But it also means you can be swinging a sword in the middle of a battle and talk to God. It means you can be driving down the road and talk to God. It means that at all times you can talk to God. You can call on God to move on your behalf. You can ask big things of God. You can express a big faith towards God. But here's the key. When you do this, make your prayers, base them upon promises God has already made. See, this is one of the things about the story that gets lost. How did Joshua have the boldness to make such an audacious request of God? Because God had already promised that they were going to win. He was asking God to do something in accordance with what God had already said he was going to do. In other words, Joshua was asking God to move in accordance with God's will. Now, we get some New Testament guidance from the small little book in the New Testament called 1 John. We actually did a series on 1 John a couple years ago. Here's a church. Great, great little book in the Bible. 1 John 5, 14 through, 15, 14 through 15. This is the confidence we have in approaching God. That if we ask anything, and here's the phrase, according to his will, he will hear us. Hey, for many of us, our kind of big, bold prayers 
the, the, the faith that we express to ask big things of God, we're not asking according to God's will. We're asking according to our will. It's all about what God can do for us. It's, it's all about God, you know, blessing me with this or God creating comfort over here. Or the, 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 the basis of so many of our prayers comes back to our will instead of God's will. But what this passage is saying is that if you ask according to his will, he'll, he'll hear you. He hears us. And if we know that he hears us, whatever we ask, we know that we have what we ask of him. You say, well, how am I supposed to pray prayers based on the promises that God has already made? I mean, God clearly made Joshua a promise that day. They were going to win the battle, but God hasn't given me a direct promise that I'm supposed to align my prayers with. If you want to pray prayers based on the promises God has already made, church, you've got to get into God's word. There are no shortcuts. That God's word is full of God's promises. God's word is full of God's purposes. And there are no shortcuts to knowing the purposes and promises of God. You've got to get into his word. And when you get into God's word and you begin to read about the promises of God and you begin to read about the purposes of God, can I tell you what begins to happen? Your prayers begin to align with those. You begin to ask God to do things in accordance with his will. You begin to pray prayers and ask big things of God. Make bold requests of God. Express a big faith towards God about the things that he already wants to do. But there are no shortcuts to this. You've got to get into his word. And your heart will begin to change. It will begin to shift. Your prayers will move from your comfort to God's purposes. Your prayers will move from your agenda to God's purposes. Your prayers will move from what you think is best to subjecting that to what God already knows to be best. But until you spend time in his word, none of those things will begin to happen. Okay, number six, sixth principle, last principle from our story today. Stop to pray and then keep moving while you pray. There are times that the best thing to do is to just stop to pray. In fact, if you ever stop me out here in the lobby in between services or, you know, on a Sunday and you tell me about a situation to pray for, nine times out of ten, I'll say, hey, can we stop and pray about that right now? And then I'll follow up and continue to pray, but, but we're, we're going to stop and we're going to pray about this right now. That sometimes the best thing to do is to stop and pray. But church, here's the thing. We actually then have to keep doing some things while we pray. We don't stop to pray and then just disengage. And say, okay, God, now it's completely up to you. No, we actually continue to do things. What did Joshua do? He led his army through an all-night march, then fought on a battlefield all day long, and then asked God to give them more time to continue to keep fighting. Do you think these guys were exhausted? Here's the answer. Yes, they were exhausted, but they kept moving. They prayed, and they kept fighting. They prayed, and they kept going. They were not going to quit until it was done. There was some tenacity to these guys. That's what I'm trying to say. So yes, we're going to call on God to do what only God can do, but then we're going to keep doing what we know God has told us to do, even if it requires sacrifice, even if it requires work, even if it requires effort. I love what James says about this in the New Testament. James 2.17, faith without works is dead. So we pray, but then church, we have to do some things. We have to do some things. So let's go back to the beginning of the marriage, uh, beginning of the message. I said, what's impossible to you? If it's your marriage and you're going to ask God to do the impossible in your marriage and to move on your behalf and to give you a good marriage, you better start treating your spouse better. You got some things to do too. Like if you're going to ask God to move on behalf of you financially, you better start living on a budget. Like if you're going to ask God 
to raise up your kids to be used to do great things, you better start modeling Christ-like behavior at home. Church, when it comes to praying big prayers and asking big things of God, we don't get a free pass in this. What we do matters. Faith without works is dead. God wants you to participate in his purposes. God wants you to stop and pray, and then God wants you to keep moving. Our story, church, what's our story? The story of Vaughn Forest Church? No, it's much bigger than that. The story of the church. 2,000 years church history. Our story, our family history can be found in the book of the Bible called Acts. Why is that book called Acts? Because they were in action. They were moving. Did they stop to pray? Absolutely. But they kept going. And it started a movement based on their actions that the world has never seen before, hasn't seen since. And here we are 2,000 years later. See, when we pray bold prayers, God says, now I need you to keep moving. And church, here's the truth right now. It's very obvious, and I'm not the smartest guy in the room. Sometimes I state very obvious things, but they're powerful. So let me state something that's really obvious, but incredibly powerful. We are the only people God has on the earth right now. That's it. If you are a follower of Jesus, if you are part of God's family, you are part of the people that God has on the earth right now. There were previous generations, and those were the people that God had on the earth then. There will be future generations, and those will be the people that God has on the earth then. But if you're still here, God's not done with you. If you're still here, God doesn't want you just to be a consumer. If you're still here, God wants to use you. If God hasn't called you home, he has a purpose for you. And here's the purpose. We are the people God has on the earth right now. The only way, this blows my mind, that God has ever accomplished his purposes is through his people. Flawed, imperfect, saved by grace, redeemed by the blood of the Lamb, people. And guess who's up right now? Us. It's our time. It's our shot. There are no dress rehearsals with this thing called life. You only get to do it once. And here, church, is what God is looking for. He's looking for some of his children who will call on him to move on their behalf. He's looking for some of his children that will stare down impossibilities and say, not for me. Because I serve a God who's much bigger than that. And I'm going to have the faith to boldly ask him to move on my behalf. And God is looking for his people who will then say, so God, while I ask you to move, I'm going to do the things I already know I can do. And I'm going to ask you to show up and make the sun stand still. God, I'm going to make you to show, ask you to show up and do the things that I am incapable of. So church, as we move to our time of response this morning, would you join me as we pray together? I'm going to ask you to bow your head for a second. Because when you hear a message like this, it's so easy to think, yeah, that's for everybody but me. And I'm challenging you in this moment to not let the enemy rob you of the opportunity that God has for you today. Because I believe that there's many of you here today that there's something in your life that feels impossible. And you've rationalized it. You've justified it. You've categorized it. You've kind of put it in its own little box and you've moved on, and here's what God's saying today. Now let's open up that box. I, I want to actually get involved in that. You, you forgot to ask me to get involved in that. You, you need to express some faith because guess what? I'm bigger than that situation. You need to express some faith because guess what? I'm actually good and I'm for you. And you need to express some faith because I'm going to base my moving on your behalf or my faithfulness, not yours. And so, God, we come to you today as your people. And for many of us, that's just the moment of honesty we need to have. We, we, we've kind of settled. We've just settled. 
It would have been so easy for Joshua that day to have just settled. Yeah, battle's going well. Looks like making good progress. But he didn't take the easier out. He, he called on you to do something only you could do, and you were faithful to do it so that he could see the victory through. And God, for many of us, that's where we're at. We're, we're in a place where we've just kind of settled. We've just kind of accepted something that's actually not from you. And we've forgotten to invite you into the situation. To have a big, bold faith. To ask you to do things that only you can do. And so God, as we enter into this time of response, my, my prayer is just in a very personal way with each of your children who are gathered here today that you would, that you would just uh, do some work. that God would be a people who are marked by faith, a people who serve a great God, a people who move forward knowing God's for us. So Lord, we thank you that you're that type of God, that you're that type of Father. And we pray all these things in Jesus' name, amen. Hey, kind of invite you to stand. And as you do, our team will lead us in this time of response.